when we consider the crucifixion and everything that happened that day, and we think about who Christ is, Good Friday, we contemplated the fact that Christ died. We remembered the seven statements he uttered on the cross. When he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When he looked down and saw his mother. And when he should have been so concerned for himself, he could think of others first. That when the darkness descended, the wrath of God descended, Jesus cried out and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Enduring the forsakenness from God, enduring hell itself that we deserve. Then Jesus thirsting, reminding us of the physical death that he endured. And then crying out, it is finished. And then, Father, into my hands, I commit, commend, I trust my spirit. At that moment, a great earthquake rattled the universe. It rattled the universe rattled this earth. It shook the rocks with such violence that the rocks themselves split. The curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Jesus entered death. The Son of God entered death Friday afternoon. He went into the grave. And Saturday, the Sabbath, there God rested. Even in death, God, the Son, kept the law. But the key question that remains, will the Father accept the sacrifice of the Son? If he doesn't, Jesus stays in the grave. Our sins are not paid for. And we are all, of most people, men and women, as Paul said, we are most to be pitied and most miserable because our faith is in vain. Will the Father accept the cross? Will he accept the perfect sacrifice of his Son? Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 28, please, verse 1. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 says this. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
It's Sunday morning. The Sabbath is over. It's a new week. A great earthquake shook the earth at the death of Christ. But now a second earthquake. A mega earthquake. An earthquake of superior and significant magnitude than perhaps the world has ever known. Again shook the earth and this time at the arrival of the angel of the Lord who descends from heaven and comes and rolls back the stone and then sits down on it. This angel, verse 3, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men, battle-hardened soldiers falling to fear on their face. The angel of the Lord did not direct his speech to them, but then said to the women who had come, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. We know from the other gospel accounts that Peter and John also came to the tomb, saw the empty tomb, believed, and went also to tell the disciples. But in all of the commotion and the excitement over what happened, one person remained behind, peered into the tomb. But then she knelt down and wept. Mary Magdalene stayed back as the others ran forward. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 11. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 11. The Gospel of John records the only words that Christ spoke at the tomb. Five specific statements. We looked at seven statements on the cross. Here we have five statements that he makes at the tomb, and they're only recorded in the Gospel of John. And they're not given to Peter. They're not given to John. They're not given to a multitude of people. They are given to one weeping woman. John chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she went, she stooped to look back into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. And one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, 
which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. The angels ask the woman, why are you weeping? She says, they've taken away my Lord. She's weeping because though she sees the empty tomb, her heart has not yet believed that Jesus has risen. She has grief and despair and hopelessness that they have taken away the body of Christ, that somehow they have faked a resurrection or they have stolen away to dishonor his body. One good intention, maybe by some faithful disciples and evil intentions on the other side by the enemies of Christ. And she despairs. Jesus, in verse 15 though, she comes up, he comes up behind her. We know that because she turns around, not at first recognizing the voice that speaks to her. She, looking into the tomb, sees the two angels. They speak to her. She still does not yet believe. And then from behind, Jesus comes and repeats the question. And here is the first statement made by Christ. Woman, why are you weeping? Her tears, her grief, her confusion, her hopelessness. They've taken away the Lord, she had told the angels. She turned around when Jesus spoke, but she didn't know it was Jesus even after she turned around, perhaps because her eyes were so full of tears. Her grief has clouded her ability to see clearly, and, and grief does that. Grief clouds the senses. It clouds our thinking. That even when the gentle voice of Christ speaks, sometimes in our grief we don't always recognize it. Why are you weeping? Jesus could have arrived and said, Mary, tap, tap, I'm here, see me, look what I've done. But he begins not with a truth statement, but with an affectionate query, question. Mary, why are you weeping? I see you in your grief. She is a woman in the Jewish culture of little importance. And on top of that, Mary Magdalene, you may not know her backstory, but Luke chapter 8 tells us that she was a demon-possessed woman, that seven demons lived with inside of her and made her life a living hell, a prelude to what hell really is. But Jesus met her, rescued her, delivered her, rebuked those demons, and she was delivered and she believed in Christ. Maybe she's weeping because she's now also fearful that Christ now being gone, she has no protection, she has no security, she has no refuge. But with a gentle word, Mary, I see you. And I'm here just for you. There's nobody else. I've seen your weeping and I'm come to you. Why are you weeping, Mary? 
Mary, don't you know that death does not have the last word? The second statement made by Christ when he said, Whom are you seeking? He meets her in her grief, but then he asks her a theological question. What do you believe? Whom are you seeking? Do you believe that Jesus says, is who he said he was? What kind of Messiah are you seeking, Mary? Do you not remember how Jesus delivered you from hell, taking you from those seven demons? Do you not remember his power over death when Lazarus was raised from the dead, when Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead? Mary, I see you. But what do you believe? Whom are you seeking? Do you believe who Jesus said he was? Still, she doesn't know that it's Jesus and supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her, third statement, fourth statement, forgive me, Mary, Mary, I see you and now I call out to you. Turn and see who I am. See that I stand before you. It's an affectionate call as he calls her by name. It's also an affirmation. Mary, I stand before you. I am that I am the Messiah, the one who is dead and now alive. The Apostle Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Mary, just three days earlier on the cross, I hung there. And between 12 and 3 o'clock, between noon and 3 o'clock, I drank the cup of my Father's wrath. I swallowed death. I ingested death. It is gone. It no longer has power. Mary, see before you that I am alive and believe it to be true. It has no sting. It has no power. Mary, I am living proof. That death's reign has ended. She in her joy goes to cling to Jesus as she shouts to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. But his last statement that he makes here, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but I go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. The fifth statement here, I am ascending. I am returning to my Father. He has not yet ascended to stand before his Father. But he is ascending 
Because by the resurrection, the Father has declared by raising his Son from the dead, by Jesus Christ being raised from the dead, that the sacrifice of the cross has been accepted. And now Jesus ascends to stand before his Father to present himself as an acceptable sacrifice for all time for all who would believe in the Son. Jesus said to Mary, I am ascending to my Father, Mary, and your Father, to my God, and to your God. Hold on, something has changed. For Jesus, my Father, and now your Father, Mary. My God, and your God, Something has happened. What has changed? Because a status position has happened for Mary, for all who would believe in Christ. At that resurrection moment, a transaction, a status, a position has changed. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. He was delivered up for our trespasses, died for our sins. But he's been raised for our justification. The cross took care of our sin, but the resurrection completes and makes us righteous. And now because we've been made righteous by virtue of the resurrection and death of Christ, there is now a direct line open to where I can say, the Father of Jesus Christ is now my Father. I have access. And that Jesus Christ his sacrifice has been accepted. If you were to boil down what is the resurrection, the resurrection is the cross accepted by the Father. The resurrection is the sacrifice of Christ and the death on Christ accepted by the Father. And so now Jesus tells Mary, he says, I am now ascending Ascending to what? Ascending where? Ascending to do what? Brothers and sisters, that is what we've been studying in the book of Hebrews. That he has offered himself as a sacrifice and now he is ascending to his eternal role as priest and king to stand on our behalf. Listen to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 to 2. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Hebrews 9, 12. He entered once for all into the holy places. He's ascending to heaven. That's what he told Mary. Not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Mary, I'm ascending to my Father and I am presenting myself and my blood as the eternal sacrifice. Is it sufficient? Hebrews 9.24 For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, the earthly temple, which are copies of the true things, but he has ascended into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Hebrews 9.28 So Christ 
having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. The resurrection declared, the sacrifice of Christ sufficient. Mary, I see you in your grief. What do you believe? I am now ascending to my Father to take my place as king and priest, where before his throne on the heavenly altar of heaven, I now present my blood that speaks a better word for you for all of eternity, a sacrifice, a life that can never be taken away. I have rescued you from eternal dying in hell to give you eternal living in heaven with me. He is the firstborn from among the dead, the apostle Paul writes. He's the first one. And all who believe in him, likewise, will enjoy eternal life with him for all eternity. And for all of eternity, we sing, worthy, 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 as the lamb who was slain. People from every nation, tribe, skin color, language group, and ethnicity, declaring with the Father, Sufficient, sufficient, sufficient. Worthy, worthy, worthy. The cross completed. It is finished. It is done. The resurrection. He is worthy, 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 and alive forevermore. And all who believe in him stand with him for all of eternity in the very life of God, in the fellowship of the Trinity, and it will never be taken away from us again. That is what the resurrection guarantees. And so we can sing today, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Praise the name of the Son. Praise the name of our God. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? This morning, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, then you are on the path to ever dying. Death without end. That is what hell is. That is what you ask for when you ask for an existence apart from God, when you reject the Son of God, Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ died that Friday to give you ever-living, life eternal. Won't you follow him today? Won't you put your faith and trust in Jesus today? I'll be down here at the front. I'd love to talk with you. Maybe you're watching online. Shoot us an email. Let us talk with you and show you from God's word how you might be saved. Heavenly Father, we commit ourselves in praise and in worship to your name. Oh, praise Jesus Christ for all of eternity who has defanged death and given us life. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.